You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Grump, we are, I don't know, 22 hours removed into that game, and I think I haven't slept since. That was, (laughs) that gave me heart-raising feelings, very similar to, you know, those NFC Championship games and the Super Bowls we had, you know, it seems like a generation ago. I know it was just a regular season game and, you know, there's still work to be done to get into the playoffs, but I was, uh, uh, that was something. <laughs> that was a lot for my physical being, uh, physical well-being, I guess. How are you? I'm uh, I'm pretty tired. Um, it, the the night, night game things and then preparing for the show is kind of like, I feel like I've been watching the game nonstop since it ended. Yeah. Um, but... Oh, I'm not gonna complain about it. Um, no, it was it was it was exciting. Um, I you know I did have like my fists clenched. It it did. I don't know why, but it it felt like it could slip away, and I guess it sort of almost did. But the defense didn't really give me that feeling throughout the whole game. Uh, they just kind of like screwed up those last two drives there, and it really got close. But in any event. Um, this was this was a game that's worth rewatching, reliving. Um, it's a lot of fun from the Giants' perspective. Kayvon Thibodeau coming out party. I mean, this might be the game he never forgets for the rest of his life. So scary as it might have been for us, you know, uh, I think this is probably the one that is maybe one of his favorite games of his whole life so far. So yeah, I mean, it's a good thing that we didn't uh, pass on him because he'd be a distraction for the media and everything. yeah uh 12 tackles nine solo three tackles for a loss i think all three happened in the first quarter a sack a forced fumble forced uh fumble recovery and touchdown that happened in the second quarter um as predicted by some people yeah (laughs) well done um and without that, there's no way the Giants win this game. They, aside from just like a mathematical like points standpoint on where everything kind of fell with that, it was just a huge momentum shift. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the offense wasn't doing shit really to start there, um, and the defense was on the field a whole lot. It looked like Brian Robinson was just going to kind of run all over us. Um, important to note that the only reason that the commanders were kind of inside their five there on that play is the play before they kind of ran an outside, uh, I don't know, stretch play or whatever. And they called Cornelius Lucas on a really tight holding call on Aziz Ojolari. And it is holding. He does have his hands on his shoulders and kind of prevents Aziz. You can see Aziz try and pull back outside, but it's pretty weak. Um, so I don't know. That just kind of goes, I guess, with the theme of the game is that, uh, commanders fans will look back on this game as, um, 
John Hussey's crew maybe not living up to the standard that they had hoped. <laughs> I mean, they, they have a right to complain, but just the way the game was called the entire game, if you put you know any individual call into context, you know, like especially that last call, you know, I get, you could definitely see when you screenshot that one second, it looks bad, but you know, and they have a right to complain and a right to be upset, but they let the players play. And, you know, when you're playing a game like this, you want this to be one on the field. You don't want it to be determined by, you know, 20 penalties and having the, the, the refs imprint on it. So, yeah, that's the thing is that like it's pass interference, I guess. Um, but they didn't call pass interference literally the whole game. They called mm-hmm. one defensive holding penalty and they called one offensive pass interference so it's it like wasn't overly surprising to me that it wasn't called. It's it was just and you know and, I don't and the know. Washington receivers were complaining all game about it too. So you would think maybe you know possibly just you know they're politicking and, and and you know trying to convince these refs to call a call a call at the end they would, but but they didn't. They didn't. They they, they were consistent, consistently not calling. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know. They, they, they didn't really call a lot of the thing. Like, most of the penalties in this game were, like, procedure. There were no personal fouls in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm acting like I'm giving refs credit here. and It could be players just not doing stupid shit like that. But I think in general, they just kind of let them play. And all the things that were called were, like, technical things. Things like yeah. false starts and my you know, stuff My like rule that. of thumb is that I need a refs to be 100% accurate all the time when it's objective. If he's inbounds or out of bounds, touchdown or not touchdown, first down or not first down. But when there's subjective calls, I'd rather them... I just need them to be like, consistent. Exactly. I, I don't really care if they're going to call it tight or loose. I mean, I'd prefer them call it loose, but as long as they're consistent the whole game, I can't complain. Agreed. Um, uh, I guess other people can. Um, <laughs> wow. What a game, though. Uh, did you? So I guess another one. So obviously this was a big Kayvon Thibodeau game. We could talk for forever about how good he played. I mean, the first quarter alone, I don't even know what Washington was doing trying to switch things up brian robinson running straight ahead was something i don't think the giants had any formula to stop or Mm -mm. defeat or slow down or hinder in any way um or even marginally disrupt uh but they just kept trying other things like zone read stuff with like curtis samuel or whatever and that's the stuff that Kayvon was just eating up i mean they Mm -hmm. were just leaving him unblocked he was just down there so fast. I don't even think it mattered if Heineke chose to keep it or give it away. Um, so, yeah, he was just eating that stuff up. That kind of went away for the second half of the game. Kayvon was really more of a chase-down guy uh, and in his pass rush mm-hmm. at that point. Um, did you think that this was a big comeback game for Barkley? Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought we saw some different things out of him. We saw him do like that little spin move a few times, which doesn't seem like it's in his normal bag of tricks, right? Um, no, I think the spin move's in there, but I think... He did a lot it yeah, well, like in that second half. That, that's, I mean, he did it on like six straight plays or something yeah. like that. But, but I think, um... A lot of what we're used to with Saquon's moves is 
usually just like I don't want to say like a panic, but like I don't think he has his full repertoire of tricks because they're all like happening behind the line of scrimmage. He's already stopped. So right. you can't really do too much of a spin move when you're not moving your feet already. Or at least it doesn't have the same effectiveness. Whereas like these were downhill runs. So he's got that forward momentum and he can just kind of like plant a foot in the ground and like pirouette. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just kind of has that like bounce off of the tackle added effect to it. Um, and I guess we're not really used to seeing that because we haven't really been seeing him downfield much but, lately. Yeah, and I'd say we have to give some credit where credit is due to the offensive line for allowing that. That's my other star. I actually thought the offensive line, I mean, I don't think it was really mentioned last night by Chris Collinsworth. He'd rather talk about Taylor Heineke and how he's got pixie dust or whatever. The <laughs> defensive line for Washington is really, really good. Chase Young or not. And they were not really a huge problem at all last night in the passing game or in the running game. And I know we were kind of moving the ball out of Daniel Jones' hands fast, but yeah, did it really feel like Daniel Jones was running for his life at all last night? One or like two plays. For his, not for his life. I mean, there were some plays, obviously, but I didn't think as like a theme, I didn't think he was. And I think we, we prepared for it. I think he was, you know, he was on the move quite a bit as well. So, but I, I never thought like, you know, they're going to kill him tonight at all. No. No. And I mean, he didn't even really get knocked around all too much. Uh, but he did. He had a couple of throws where he stood in there like a man and took a pop. Um, and also he was throwing into some. I mean, he gets a star for me for this game. Also, I just thought he was throwing into tight windows. He was, you know, pretty accurate. Uh, again, Looks like he's in command of this offense finally. So I, I I gave him a star for that. He doesn't really have much of a choice but to throw into tight window throws with a yeah. group of wide receivers that he's got. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, and I think you see the difference when there is a pocket, right? Like he doesn't really have a great offensive line. He doesn't really have a great group of wide receivers either. But, you know, when the pocket is there for them, he can make the most out of his wide receivers. I, I don't know. Um, and that's that's the type of stuff you have to make the evaluation for about him is like when things are, you know, the expectation is that there will be a better offensive line in the future. There will be better weapons for him. You know, can he produce at a higher level given those things? And in the in the limited opportunity, we see a game where he has time to throw and somehow guys can get open he's making the plays so yeah kudos but to him. I, I don't yeah and i but i also don't i don't want to take away from the fact that the offensive line held back a very good defensive line from having a major impact on the game sure um montez sweat had a couple of pressures with evan neal but i was much more worried about that than it actually came to be a problem um there was like one bad block for john feliciano where he got pushed way back and forced a a Bad tackle for loss on Saquon Barkley, but Evan Neal seemed to have a rough game. <laughs> he did. He had a couple of false starts too, but yeah, he had like a rookie game. It felt like though, because all the times that you could highlight him, they were for bad things. But everything in between, for the most part, was good enough. You know. Mm-hmm. So I mean, did you feel like you heard his name constantly or just often? Evan Neal. Yeah. I just felt with my own eyes, forget hearing his name, just like it just seemed like he was just struggling. Tight. And you're right. He's a rookie. He's going to 
you know, he's going to have games like this, especially against, you know, really good competition. So, uh, again, it's part of my overall theme for this year. It's just, you know, we have to, he has to play through games like this to get great. I mean, Andrew Thomas did the same thing a couple of years ago, too. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't think he played that badly. I thought he was just, he was probably the worst of the five, but it was nothing that really truly uh, stuck out too much. I had him on the borderline fart, but um, I put it more as a, an SBD than an actual full-blown fart. Yeah, I, I, uh, I don't know. That's what uh, I mean. It's like, you know, in a game like this, it's hard to give real farts for things, you know, to still being in that post-game euphoria, but he struggled, I thought. And I yeah. think he'll, it's okay. But, but again, it was like all of his struggles, they mostly didn't even impact the play. I mean, most of his bigger problems were like he had the two false starts actually killed drives. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that, those like silly things. Yeah. Um, um, for me, it was really difficult to nail down like specific farts, but I thought Nick McLeod and Darnay Holmes had had games to forget, and mm. for the most part, defensively there was not a whole lot to complain about. Um, and then like just random chunk plays happened at the end of the game. There, I mean, for the most part, they had this game locked down and in late fourth quarter there's just like a bomb that Taylor Heineke throws and Jason Pinnock is an actually good coverage and it just a great yeah, catch by Jahan Dotson. That's fluky. And then but, you know, but but then they, they lock it down, they force a fumble. Dexter Lawrence, by the way, play that I don't think is getting talked about enough is Dexter Lawrence forced fumble on Taylor Heineke. But then they follow it up. They're like, oh okay, they didn't score. We have the ball again, whatever. Run the ball down. And then the kickoff, they take it like way out to like the 50 yard line or something like that. Yeah. And they're right back there again. And it just takes a Darnay Holmes blown coverage play. And they're like right back in scoring position. What again. were you thinking at that moment? Did you think the game, they were not going to win this game? No, I, I didn't. You know what? It felt like. I don't care what Chris Collinsworth wants to say about Taylor Heineke. It felt like Taylor Heineke was playing like shit, like worse than normal. Uh, he was making mistakes left and right. They were making mistakes. It felt like Washington felt like, was holding Washington like back. Game. It really did. Like he just he made a couple of big plays, but the average play wasn't very good. Nah, well, the, no, because I would say the last game it felt like we were playing like shit. This but game I'm, it I'm felt talking like about just him specifically. Mm, he wasn't that good in that game, but he had a couple of big plays that, uh, that were caused. You know, yeah, but his big, but his big plays, yeah, they, they were like screw ups in this. They were like short passes with broken tackles. Yeah, they were just they were big. I didn't say he had big plays. They were big plays. But other than I, that, I did not get the sense that this felt like the last game. This to me felt like Washington came out flat. I think Washington played badly in this game. Oh, um, uh, see, I thought they came out. I thought we were gonna have a problem. We weren't gonna be able to stop the run at all, and, and you know, just over time, just. They went away from it, and I think that's what I mean. Washington yeah. stopped themselves. Yeah, we never that stopped that Brian Robinson. Run. They just they just decided they were going to do something else, and I think part so of it get a fart, a happy yeah, fart for us. Then sure, I think part of it might have been that third drive of the game for the touchdown. It really just when you couple that up there with the defensive score, it just put them really far behind with not much time left. Mm-hmm. It just—it felt like they were—they were grasping for some kind of big play to just 
manifest itself instead of just doing what they do. Yeah, and I think if they just kept doing what they do, they would have got back into this game more. I mean, it's not like we were just going to keep piling on points as the game went along. Yeah. So it seemed like kind of a panic for no reason. Yeah, I, I, I actually, it felt to me like Washington did a lot of things to screw up Washington in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Taylor Heineke just didn't play well. I mean, straight up. They're just like... I mean, maybe maybe these teams really just are that even, and this is just the different flip of the coin. You know, we have like literally the exact same play last time they played with Kayvon Thibodeau making the tackle right at the goal line, and Taylor Heineke holds on to the ball. This time, Taylor Heineke didn't hold on to the ball. That's the difference, I guess. Yeah, I, I think they're I think they're pretty similar teams. I, I mean, similar in where they are. I mean, if, again, I think if this if they play each other ten times, I think you might get. A six and four, five and five, one way or the other. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I, the more I watched this game, the more it just felt like Washington did stupid stuff. Um, the going for two. I, I, I just felt like that was just such an unnecessary. Like they were going to cut the lead to three, I guess. Um, I don't know. It just that just felt silly. Everything I, felt I, like I, overcoaching. I'd have a problem with that. I don't know. Everything for this game felt like overcoaching. They got away. Like I get that they have Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson, but that I think I'll agree with you. With yeah, yeah, but I just they're just all sorts of different things. It's just like oh, we have Curtis Samuel too, and they just mix in all this stuff. But one thing worked. One thing worked just fine. They could have worked that the whole game and then worked the play action right off of it. We would have never been able to stop it. Um. And, you know, I, I think part of going for two on that had to do with them also thinking that they weren't going to get a lot of opportunities to score mm-hmm. and needed to cut their thing down to a field goal to make it tieable. And, and I think I think at that point you're just overcoaching. I think you just like if they had just stuck to the, <laughs> the offensive scheme that was working, they wouldn't have had a problem with any of this stuff. Um but I don't know. They wanted to put the ball in the hands of Taylor Heineke. Yeah, that's. Uh, and I we were know. saying, you know, for all you know, as much pixie loving dust Collinsworth has, he's still a backup. Yeah, and that's what he'll I mean. Like be I, a backup in this league, he's never going to be a starter in this league. No one, he's, you know, we, we talk about well, what's Daniel Jones' future? Yeah, this, be? the Giants don't, you know, sign him. He'll have opportunities to be a starter. I don't think Taylor Heineke's ever going to have that opportunity as being a starter somewhere. Yeah, I, I think I think once the, I mean, this might be the last year where he's a starter, right? Mm-hmm. Um. I yeah I I think that something between the defensive score followed by the extremely long eighteen play <laughs> eight and a half minute drive or whatever for a touchdown, I think it just set them into a mode where they felt they needed to score fast and they they screwed themselves by thinking that way. I think I think that drive deserves a star because if I remember in the first quarter, like time of possession was ridiculous, right? We we hardly had the ball. We had we went three in a row, and then I think ran four plays the following, yeah, or maybe five plays the next drive. And then and was, was a it. strip sack fumble, and then they had had the ball again. So we really really needed, you know, to have, you know, give the defense a rest. And and the time we were talking about this off air. The time from 
them getting the ball to like after halftime, it was a long, long time. Our defense was on the, on the sideline resting. And that, you know, that may have made the difference, you know, later on in the fourth quarter, you know, how tired this defense might've been. Cause even, even guys like Thibodeau were on the sideline for, you know, critical plays and, you know, not every play because he was catching a breather. Yeah. Uh, I saw the funny Dan Duggan uh, was saying that uh, he noticed that Leonard Williams had an extremely heavy workload in his first game back, and he asked him if he felt all good, and he just laughed and said no. Um, I think I think the defense was just gassed. That's I mean they are only freshly healthy-ish, and uh, you know they played a lot. I'll tell you what I think. One of the things that we complained about big time and was a massive problem directly in the last matchup was tackling. It was poor tackling, led directly to 14 points, and I said it a million times, but it literally was their only scoring. Uh, so it was a big deal. And in this game, the open field tackles were happening. Uh, this, this was... I we, we can talk about them struggling to handle Brian Robinson running downhill and six mm-hmm. offensive linemen pushing him behind or whatever... Um, but the open field tackles, they were happening in this game. And that's what was – that's essentially what made the difference. There was not really a whole lot of explosive plays because, you know, they, they were pretty much just being tackled or pushed out of bounds right around where throws were happening. Um, running backs were, you know, getting big runs, whatever. But there wasn't this guy just running through like Swiss cheese for the most part. And a big part of that I think was Tony Jefferson coming back. Tony mm-hmm. Jefferson, on three consecutive plays, buried Curtis Samuel. Just absolutely buried him. Then he made, on the very next play, a huge open field tackle and then followed that up with a pass breakup. And the Washington punted. That was on the fifth drive of the, of the game for the defense. Mm-hmm. And uh, Landon Collins, too. Landon Collins had a couple of big tackles out in the open field in his first game back as a Giant. Uh, to absolutely no that fanfare. Was his fir- that was his first game time we've seen him? Yep. We haven't seen him before? Okay. Yeah. Welcome back. <laughs> Weird that NBC wasn't all over that, though. I would have mm-hmm. thought that would be like a big deal. Well, I guess there's no pixie dust involving him, so... I guess not. Um, yeah. Dexter Lawrence with the uh, fumble. I think a lot of this game can come down to when Taylor Heineke got tackled in scoring position on a scoring drive. Uh, he couldn't hold on to the ball, and yeah. Daniel Jones could. Daniel Jones had that fumble on the run up the middle, but had his elbow down just in time. And clearly was down, too. And clearly was down. Which, by the way, we're talking talking about the Dexter Lawrence fumble. That was not ruled on the field. That was a very good challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, how's huge, he in, huge. How's he been in challenges this year, Dable? I don't know. Did you think I just had that stat? I, yeah. <laughs> no, I. Or just a sense of like you know. I don't. I don't get. I don't really remember him having to do a lot of challenges. He's been fairly conservative. It seems like when they felt very sure they were throwing it. So. And it doesn't know. seem like we've been like looking at each other like why are we challenging that either. Mm. That's what I meant more than his percentage for certain. No, just... I don't. I don't have any like sort of mm-hmm. 
I felt like I don't. I, yeah, essentially that. I don't remember a time that we were challenging, and I was like, I don't understand why we're challenging this. Right, right, right. Okay. Um, I don't know if he's won a lot of them or not, but I thought going for it on fourth and nine was really interesting, especially after taking timeout. Mm-hmm. In fact, actually, I'll say this: I'm glad that since they did take the timeout, they went for it. Because yeah. if you've already wasted the timeout, use that time to come up with the best play. Right. Um, were you shocked about that? Because I thought they were just going to take the penalty and punt. I was a little surprised. I mean, again, we've been talking on this show how it seems like they've gone from like week one being a lot more aggressive and an effort mentality to being a lot more conservative. And, and then they went for it. I was like, all right, let's let's, w- let's try to win this game. I like it. Uh, it came up huge. Huge throw by Daniel Jones on that play, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, huge reception by Richie James. So it's Richie James I gave a star. Um, four catches on five targets. Almost all of them were big conversions. Um, and right now, on I guess on a group that just has to make do with... They have to catch everything that Daniel Jones throws. Like right. Richie James really is the one guy who comes through time and time again, right? Mm-hmm. And can we stop, like, shrieking every time he's about to catch a punt? Is that over now? His first punt return was actually really good. Yeah, yeah. He had, like, a 23-yard punt return. That's another reason why, you know, that's part of his star quality for uh, for this game. Um, I thought that he played a pretty damn good game. I don't know. Did anybody else stick out to you? Uh, I had James. I had the offensive line as a whole, and I, but my biggest, uh, my biggest star was Daniel Jones on the offense. I just again, this margin for error is so little with it, between who he has to work with, you know, the play calling that's done because of the people he has to work with, the offensive line, all that. And I just think that he is getting the most water out of this rock, and I just my confidence in him just keeps growing week after week after week. I I completely agree. We didn't take any shots downfield, and I and that's really honestly the reason why his numbers are low. Which I think he has like twenty one completions or, so, or eighteen completions or something, but it's only for like one sixty, something like that. But th- I mean, they're very they're Phil t- Simsy. I know it's a different era, but that's kind of how Phil Sims was way back in the day. It's kind of interesting. It's kind of how they ran that offense too, where it's just like a lot of running and sprinkled in with some yeah, strikes yeah. downfield for about seven, eight yards, mm-hmm. not much more. Solid, solid hands, guys, possession receivers, and a really, really good tight end. Daniel Bellinger actually had a pretty bad drop in the middle of the field on a yeah. third down. Uh, throw was not perfect, but definitely catchable. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't have a whole lot of notes. This was a uh, really competitive game. It felt like these guys showed up. And you can see... So here's the other thing. When I was saying that this team just very, very badly needed a win, you could see in the post-game locker. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, this is a team that was waiting... They, they needed this feeling again. I think that it will carry over a little bit more into the next game some level of swagger some level of confidence mm-hmm. um hey that, there's three there's three weeks left in this season if they lose that game they're not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs but you know 
the things we talked about earlier about you know this momentum going against them and they were playing like garbage for you know it just keeps growing and you know you're almost into that negative you're really into that negative feeling and that's almost a quarter of the season you don't want to waste so winning this game means okay for the next three weeks we're going to get ourselves mentally and physically prepared you know that we're going to have a playoff game most most likely unless something catastrophic happens and that you know, you're more receptive to the coaching. You're going to practice harder. You're going to be prepared more. You're building the culture of this team. So it's very, you know, are, is this team going to win the Super Bowl? Probably not. But you are maximizing the rest of this season and getting this mindset of this is how we prepare for you know, getting ready for playoffs. And it, 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 that's huge for this organization, for the players and the coaching staff who's going through it, you know, a lot of them for the first time in their positions also. So, is there a path to the playoffs if they lose out? If they still get, they could still get in if they lose out. Yeah. Probably right. If, yeah, if like other I mean, stuff happens. Washington still has to play. They still have to play. Philly, I think again. They have another tough. I don't have the schedule in front of me. I think. Um, the team I think we'd have to worry about more in that scenario. Forget Washington. Really, is like Detroit. Yeah. Especially so since we don't have the tiebreaker with Detroit. Right. Uh, I think I think Washington has to play Cleveland. I'm pulling up schedules as we speak. Yeah. Um. But regardless. Um. Well, it's a couple of interesting things that Jalen Hurts is questionable for next week, which means more than likely he probably, you know, they're probably going to rest him, you know, most of the rest of the way before the playoffs if these games are meaningless. So that makes that last game against Philly a completely different game. Why is he questionable? He hurt something. It was a Schefter story right before we um, started oh, recording. I I don't know anything about this, so this will be breaking, breaking news. Um, Jalen Hurts. Hold on here. Sprained shoulder during Sprain shoulder, the yes. win. Huh. X-rays came back negative, likely to play it safe with the top seed all but wrapped up. Initial reports suggest Hertz could miss the remainder of the regular season. So, I mean, it, if they had it locked it up before week 17, they probably would have rested him anyway. This pretty much guarantees it. So Yeah, I don't know, though. I mean, I said we, – we even said that if the Eagles rested both corners, the – quarterback and you know a couple of other guys we're still not sure if we're winning that game so um especially after the way they played them yeah um, i mean you know if, you, if you're playing for nothing a your mindset is whatever i'm moving on i mean i just watched a bowl game on saturday where a team clearly did not want to be there and clearly didn't put you know mental preparation to it and it was obvious and, you know, something like this could happen because it, it means absolutely nothing to them. I guess. Um, well, our next two opponents played each other. 
Minnesota and Indianapolis. And that was <laughs> among the more wild games I've ever followed. Is this one of the more wild weekends we've ever seen? <laughs> Just craziness all over the place. Yes, <laughs> I would say so. Uh, did Kansas City end up winning that game or no? Kansas City ended up winning that game. Okay. I mean, we were, you know, we were talking about, you know, that when we played Houston, and you were really upset about that game, you know, how, how we uh, we let a team like Houston hang around. Houston has been playing teams tough. I mean, they 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 played with Philly for quite a while at home. They almost beat Dallas. They gave us a run for our money. They go to overtime with Kansas City. I mean, they're just a they're a losers lose team, but they've been giving teams some struggles. Yeah, I guess so. I uh, I'm not really gonna give them extra credit that they beat the worst team in the NFL, but I see your point. Mm-hmm. Um, but so Indy and Minnesota, did you get the sense that? Uh, what sense did you get? At the end of that game, we now have to play both of those teams. Do you get any, like, do you feel like Indianapolis is just, I don't know, game planning and leaning into it, and then once that fails, the whole thing falls apart, or what? Well, this league is so freaking wacky that what happened in week, you know, two weeks out, I don't think as much nearly the impact as it would have maybe a few years back. Um, I, you know, with Jeff Saturday and, and, you know, having a, an offensive coordinator off the street, I don't, I wouldn't give them any uh, benefit or any uh, advantage in the coaching department at all. Okay. <laughs> very, very honestly. Makes a lot of sense. I, I I don't know what the hell happened there. I mean, it was, maybe Minnesota just got off to the worst start a team could possibly get off to. But well, there's a bunch of. I mean, I got, to be honest, I was watching the, the the Gator Bowl game. It was on the same time. I wasn't paying attention, but it sounded like there was a couple like a bunch of turnovers and fluky mm-hmm. things, and it kind of it, those things start snowballing out of control. And then the next thing I knew is someone's like, "Turn around, look at the score." Like. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess at the end of the day, I, I feel the same way I now as I did initially, which was um, I'm not so worried about Indianapolis, but uh, Minnesota might be a beatdown. So I don't know. I, 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 I didn't get the feeling that Indianapolis like exposed something about Minnesota that we are mm. now, you know, I, I think it was just kind of. I think I, we're in a weird, I think we're in a weird part of the season right now where it's just like the teams like Philly, Dallas, Minnesota, they can sense the, the, the postseason is coming. And, you know, there's really not much. I mean, is there really any more positioning that, Minnesota can do before they get into the playoffs. I mean, are they kind of locked in as the two seed. Yeah, I think so. I think because too much of the rest of the NFC North is like hovering around the exact same record, somewhere around like five, six wins. And I think once you once you kind of know your fate, I I think you just subconsciously take your foot off the gas a little bit. Could be. Um, well, let me ask you something. I mean, I don't want to, you know make any assumptions but i will for a minute you know 
in that first round of the playoffs, Tampa, Brock Purdy, San Francisco, or Minnesota, who would you least rather play? San Francisco. San Francisco even over Minnesota. Yeah. Um, I kind of I, agree with you. I, I, I don't know that it makes a huge amount of difference um, because I think either one is a pretty bad loss. But um, Minnesota, I feel like, would be a boat race with, that we just wouldn't be able to keep up with, where mm-hmm. they're just they're they're just gonna keep scoring. Um, San Francisco feels like they're gonna beat the shit out of us, like physically beat us. Yeah, like I, I like our offense will start going backwards in that game, uh, and and maybe they won't be able to score as many points because Brock Purdy's the quarterback or whatever, um, but. I, I don't know. I and we just, don't know what we don't know what Debo Samuel's story is, right? When he's coming back, I certainly don't know. I don't yeah. know if the news is out there, but um, I I agree with you. I I think we would be physically dominated by San Francisco. Yeah, that's that's what I would be worried about. Um, and I don't know that it would really even matter that it's Brock Purdy at quarterback. I mean, they they tied Taylor Heineke. I mean, it's just kind of the facts. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I guess of all the options, the, the only one that you'd really want to face would be Tampa Bay, who may not even win the NFC South. <laughs> there's, a, there's a solid chance that they sure. will lose to Carolina, um, which would be incredible. I mean, that division's worse than the NFC East was a couple of years ago, right? It has to be. Mm, worst? It's pretty bad. Yeah. It's pretty bad because there's not a – there's not – there's one starting quarterback in that division, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I guess there's one bona fide starting quarterback in that division, and he probably should have retired three, four years ago. <laughs> um, so Agreed. Right, because like Sam Darnold, you know, maybe, maybe he'll have like some kind of resurgence to his careers. Like maybe teams gave up on him too fast, but he's not, doesn't come to mind right away when you think starting quarterback in the NFL. Marcus mm. Mariota certainly is not. And uh, who is New Orleans' starting quarterback? Is it Taysom Hill at this point? Is he just the quarterback? <laughs> no, it's uh, what's his name the, uh, from the, the Bengals' old quarterback, Dalton. Dalton, yeah, that's a backup. I mean, yeah, I mean Daniel Jones would arguably start for all four teams. I mean, I guess you say Brady is probably ahead of him right now. We, we did that. Brady sits for no quarterback. Yeah, but I mean, if his name wasn't Tom Brady, if he was, right. I get you what know. you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So you theoretically next year there's no quarterbacks in that division. Hmm. Something to think about. Is it is anyone even going to be picking in the top five there? Any one of those teams? Uh, I think there's probably two or three that wish they were. Yeah. But no, they're all kind of bunched around the same badness. Oh, mediocre. They're not. But nothing's truly terrible. 
Yeah, and I, I don't think New Orleans has anything to leverage for <laughs> for a higher pick. Mm-mm. It's interesting. I don't know. Uh, I guess circling back to this game, though, this was huge. Getting this win was massive on, um, you know, in Washington, not at home anymore. They needed to win this game if they wanted to go to the playoffs. They did. They should have won last time. It actually pisses me off that they didn't win last time when you think of what could be, uh, especially when Dallas losing this week to Jacksonville, as you predicted. Um, <laughs> I was on a roll this week. Yeah. Um, they could have been one game behind Dallas. Yeah. Um, and I, I know that's like could have, would have, should have, but when you consider just – no really... team is no team is immune from that just terrible loss. And I, I again, I think we did this a couple of weeks ago. Went through. And they didn't even this... lose. They tied. Yeah, they tied exactly. <laughs> but some I um is that we thought at the time where bad losses really aren't bad losses. Like losing to the Lions doesn't look like a terrible loss anymore. They are playing like crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what happened. I mean, it unlocked Jared Goff or something, but. Yeah, I um. This was this was the slump bust that they needed. Uh, perhaps <laughs> came two weeks late, but hopefully they can channel this. They need one more win will get them in, right? At the, if they get any one win, they are almost guaranteed. I would say the if they win one more, it's a guarantee. Um, I said I'll have to do the math and, and come up with the scenario if they. They lose out, but again, if they lose out, they'll have what one win in their final eight games. Is that really, you know, there should be a bylaw saying you shouldn't make the playoffs if you do something as stupid as that. But uh, I, I, I think they'll get, they'll definitely get that one win, and I, you know, they could win those last two games and go into a, uh, you know, going into the playoffs winning three out of four. You look at it that way, also. That's an interesting way to look at it as well. Yeah. Um, but they have the Saturday game this week. Um, do you have anything more to add to this episode? Um, other than the fact it just it was a nice throwback to the days when this team was good and we were very excited in playoff games. You know, I mean, I was sitting on my couch and it reminded me of watching the um, the NFC Championship game in Green Bay when that freezing cold game. I was. I had my watching the game like this, like looking through my fingers, and it just felt good to be relevant again and feel, you know, you know, for too long we've been watching playoff games and watching December games where it's like, this game means everything to win the NFC West. And it's like, well, it's not my team. What do I give a shit? I mean, I can I can only be excited for so much if it's not me involved. And when it's us, especially playing a you know a division rival, a team we hate, um. Kudos to the Giant fans, too, because they showed up. They were loud. You can hear it through the TV. I mean, I, again, we don't know how loud Eagle fans sounds in at the Meadowlands because we're at the games, but they definitely sounded. And kudos to, you know, the guys in our tailgate crew. You know, you know who you are. You were at the game for representing. But, yeah, um, I wish we could get that kind of support at home that we do on the road in these big games. They they get all that support when the screen literally says "Quiet, please, offense at work." <laughs> um, yeah the the crowd was definitely into the game. It sounded like a fifty fifty split in there. 
Um, I have no idea what it actually was, but mm-hmm. this was a huge game, and I, I hope that they're, this was a shot of, uh, I don't know, momentum? A shot of confidence I'd say for it's them. A shot of, I think it's a shot of validation for this year, for, for stamping this season as a success. You know, everything that happens after this is gravy, but, you know, Again, look back where we were 12 months from right now and where we are at this moment. And, you know, a roster that's still kind of very much in flux. There'll be more turnover. You know, they're going to get their guys. But to make this team relevant after being a laughingstock so quickly, it, it's, I guess we should, we should give uh, stars to the coaching staff for, the, for doing that. Coaching staff and front office mm-hmm. for quickly bringing in – uh, guys that fit their system that they wanted to make work here. Yeah, um, and getting and getting the most out of guys that they have to use. Um, you know, again, we've been kind of critical on some of the decisions they made. Again, Kenny Galladay they haven't had been one, perfect. Yeah, Kenny Galladay had one snap. He just ran a go route. Yeah, I mean, they just they have just made a decision. They're moving on from him, and you know, you two things can be true at once. You know. We we can have full trust in this coaching staff, but we can still question what they're doing. So they've decided they're moving on from Kenny Galladay, and you know, so be it. it. I mean, moving on from him is is only step one of whatever the the, the plan sure. is. So mm-hmm. uh, to judge them moving on from Kenny Galladay without seeing what the rest of it is is silly. Yeah. Um. But so the Giants do have the. Saturday game at one o'clock this week, um, out in Minnesota. So that's going to be interesting. I think that's going to be fun. I like that sure. that it's happening on Christmas Eve instead of Christmas Day. Um, one of my favorite things in the world is Saturday NFL games, and I like ever since I was a little kid. I just like games on Saturdays. You know, I don't. They don't necessarily have better matchups on Saturdays. It just seems like it's more important or special being on a Saturday. So, and added to it, it's Christmas Eve, and we're all excited because you know the next day is Christmas and everything. It's like an early Christmas present having a giant game. Hopefully, I mean it, it would be nice to be going to sleep Christmas Eve night uh, with a smile on your face and a win under the tree. Um, but we'll preview that game as usual on mm-hmm. Friday morning for you guys. So until then, be sure to follow us on Twitter at football underscore grump at the cranky fan at just giants pod. And you can listen to these episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, etc., and watch them on YouTube. Uh, so we will see you all Friday morning for a preview episode against the Vikings. Go giants. Go giants.